Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. Today we're talking to Josh Durham, somebody who really, really, really likes uh, thru-hiking. Since March 2020, has thru-hiked the Pacific Crest Trail twice and the Continental Divide Trail once. I can think of nobody who has this much thru-hiking experience over the last, you know, just under two and a half years. So I'm excited to learn about uh, the differences between these two trails and also just get some some tips on thru-hiking. Hi, Josh. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Richard. Good to be here. First off, you've done these three incredible through hikes, but what got you started the first time? So in 2020 in March, you know, the pandemic just started and you walked, you know, from Mexico to Canada. Yeah. So um, that all began, I believe, in 2017. I uh, hiked the Trans-Ion Trek. So it's from the northwest corner down to the southeast corner um, of Zion National Park. I've been into the outdoors for a little bit, um, done a lot of canyoneering, climbing, uh, but I'd never been out uh, backpacking. Uh, or well, I'd been backpacking, but not in that fashion and through hiking fashion. Um, and I just realized it was a lot less anxiety than everything else I did in my life. And so it was just something that was easy, um, fun, and I really enjoyed it. Got onto YouTube, started uh, researching quite a bit, and it led me to the Pacific Crest Trail, which once I realized what it was, I pretty much knew that I wanted to do it. And so I just put a year on it, and 2020 was that year. Uh, I want to come back to just kind of how easy through hiking is. Uh, but first, I, tell me about the Trans Zion, because I don't know anything about that, uh, that, that route. So yeah, the, the Trans-Ion starts uh, up in Kolob Canyons. Uh, it's actually, you have to go up the interstate. It's a different um, entrance than the main entrance of Zion. Um, and it just traverses the entire park. And, and Zion is a relatively small park compared to others. Um, so it ends up, if you're able to do the entire traverse, it ends up being, uh, I guess, about uh, 50, 60 miles, something like that. Um, but unfortunately, right now, there's been some rock falls, so some of it is closed. But you can still go down to the main canyon, which is the most beautiful part anyway, and that's going to be about uh, 35 miles, I believe. It sounds epic. You know, you mentioned how through hiking or backpacking, just it was easier. And I know a lot of people look at, you know, backpacking or through hiking, it's like it's hard. You're, you're, physically, it's hard. Um, but easier mentally and for your life i would find it's just it's a really simple lifestyle but but like is is that kind of what you feel just you know it's easier to to be on trail yeah exactly that's exactly right that's exactly right so um you know at home I'm, i'm a guide i'm a canyoneering and climbing guide so i'm on ropes all day with clients who are quite anxious and quite fearful And so there's always some kind of energy transfer. And so whenever I'm out there, there's always this like real high safety uh, mindset. And so there always is this background anxiety. And so whenever I get out hiking, it's, you know, I've got to, I got to know where my food is and I know that I have enough water. But other than that, I'm, I'm just psyched. There's no, there's no background anxiety there. There's nothing to do other, you know, your days are really simple. Just, just walk, take a break when you want. There's kind of no rules. Whereas in our life, you know, we're subjected to lots of wake up at this time, get to this place at this time, do all these kind of little old, odd jobs where life boils down. I like to explain it as just complete freedom. You get to wake up every day and do exactly what you want for the entire day. Yes, you've got to walk, but you've already made that decision to walk. Yeah, I, I love that. So not everyone knows, you know, I actually think most people have heard of the, the PCT, but 
can you just maybe describe for people who maybe don't know the details, you know, where does it start? Where, where does it go through? Where does it end? So it, uh, it's a 2,650 mile trail. It goes from Mexico to Canada. Um, we start down in Campo, which is near San Diego in California. We hike all the way through California, northbound towards Oregon. We hike all the way through Oregon and Washington, and we stop at the uh, border of Canada. And it's about, uh, I think, 10 miles south of Manning Park in Canada and about 30 miles north of Hearts Pass. Those are the two closest places that, that you're, you're at um, when you're ending. Unfortunately, right now, we have to turn around and walk back to Hearts Pass since the Canadian border is not open for pedestrians. Oh really? I didn't. I didn't know that. But yeah, you'd know you you were just there uh, <laughs> yeah. a few weeks ago, and and like it goes to you know PCT is famous because you go through you know some of the most beautiful parts of the American West. Absolutely. I mean, done it twice. You know what parts really resonated with you? Well, um, so my favorite part of the entire trail is Washington. Um, once you get to Goat Rocks, which is about. I think 100 miles or so north of uh, the Washington border, Washington-Oregon border. Um, once you hit Goat Rocks, north is just out of this world. It is it's strikingly beautiful. And then, of course, the High Sierra is also very, very beautiful. I've, done, I've been fortunate to do the High Sierra, both in, in high snow and uh, no snow, basically, this year. <laughs> so um, I will say that it's a lot harder in high snow, but the, the Sierra is much better um, in snow. Those are Those are... Without a doubt, the two best parts of the Pacific Crest Trail, um, although the entire trail every single day is, is just a fantastic adventure and you have beautiful views every single day. So the first time you did it in 2020, you know, what was the experience like? You know, was it tough to like get acclimated to, you know, to doing hiking day after day after day and just kind of the grind of, of you know, 2,600 plus miles of, of walking? To be honest, for me, it was uh, pure bliss. <laughs> I, I got out there and um, the PCT just became my world. Um, it was COVID year that year. Um, we all the, the few people that were on trail, because that was the least amount of people since the early 90s, the few people that were on trail just created this really special close bond. And we were really just in our own little bubble um, outside of the world. And it felt like almost like this safe place. Um, so I think that that was a special year. And if you stayed on trail and were able to stay through all of the, the stuff in, in, in March, then, uh, you ended up having a really easy, easier experience than I think normal years would, would typically be. Interesting. I thought it would be maybe more difficult trying to, you know, when you have a, a zero day or you're spending time in town trying to resupply that those could be more difficult just because of, you know, things being closed or, you know, difficulty going in. But was that, was that not the case? That was really only an issue in a couple little towns at the very beginning. Um, and then in both towns, there were plenty of people who were there to make sure that we were taken care of and, and helping us out. And then later on in the trail, honestly, the all of the towns are super small. They're basically PCT towns. Not all of them. A lot of them. Um, and, and a lot of their, their money comes in from us. So we had people just begging us that, please come through, please come through. We're going to go bankrupt if you don't come spend your money in our towns. It's, it's such a great way to, you know, bring life back to these small mountain towns that, you know, used to be mining or resource based. And here's just a way of sustainable tourism and, 
you know, connecting people who maybe wouldn't interact in normal life, you know, bring people together that, you know, never know each other. And I think it's really incredible what the PCT and other long distance trails have done of, you know, just bringing a totally different economy into these, you know, these forgotten small towns. That's exactly right. It's it's people from all over the world. You you have what are called trail angels. So those are people who just help the hikers out um, from the, the good of their heart and nothing else. Um, they're able to bring people in from all over the world, every single culture you can you can think of, and have their kids cook dishes that they would never otherwise have. Um, so it's it really is. Yeah, you're you're able to to bring in just something special. And so your your the first the 2020 PCT, uh, how many days did it take you to complete it? So that one took me six months, eight days. Uh, I really, really took my time. Every single town I went into, I took a zero, a double zero, a triple zero. <laughs> um, I I did exactly what I wanted to do every single day. There was no rush whatsoever. I wanted to have the complete and full experience, and I. Um, if, if, if you have the funds to do it, I 100% recommend that for your first time, that's how you should do it. You should, you should go into every town because everyone is special and they all love the PCT hikers. Um, and, and, and they're, they're just going to take care of you. You're going to have a, a time that you never thought that you could have. Uh, I think, I think that's such great advice because, you know, so many people are, I've got to fit this trip into this many days and you're constantly pushing yourself. You don't ever get the time just to sit back and, and bask in the town or enjoying or, or whatever it is. Um, so, so when you finished the PCT, were you already thinking about what you're going to do in the summer of 2021? Like, like when, when did you start thinking, like, is this something you're partway through thinking, man, next summer I'm going to do the same thing. Only I'll do this. I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea whatsoever. I was, I was pretty lost whenever I got, got out. Cause it was also COVID year. So whenever I got out, I really had no idea the impact that, that COVID had had on society. I was, I was, like I said, in this little bubble. So I get out and really there's just no work anywhere. I went back to my parents for a couple of months um, and there's, there's something that people talk about It's called post-trail depression and it's just getting off a, off a trail. You have this big goal, you complete this goal and you get off trail. And, and if you don't have a, a lot of good goals set in front of you, then you can get really, really depressed. And, um, unfortunately I started going through that. And then I had a bunch of friends from the PCT in 2020 who started talking about hiking the continental divide trail. So that's what kind of sparked the, um, the idea uh, and then once I, I made that decision, it was like this switch that, that flipped and it was like, okay, well now I have this next big goal in front of me and it almost completely took the depression away. Um, and now maybe that was a band aid, but you know, at the time it definitely, it led me in, into the CDT. That was, that was definitely, um, my, my reasoning for it. I had, I had no intention on in hiking anything else, um, after the PCT. Uh, I think it's just incredible how often, you know, either being outdoors or having a goal to do a great trip like you did just kind of lifts the mood. Like sometimes if I'm having like a tough week and you know, you're thinking of the weekend, my wife and I or the kids will just talk about trips we want to do. And within like 20 minutes of like, you know, dreaming, I'm smiling. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's just work. Let's focus on like these incredible adventures we're going to do. So it's just crazy how much travel or the outdoors, even not even doing it, just thinking of it, it can change our moods and our lives. The CDT is not anywhere near as well known as the Pacific Crest Trail. Although it is, you know, by all accounts, I've, I've, I've never, obviously never, never been on it. By all accounts, a really beautiful trail. 
Where does the CDT go for listeners who you know aren't familiar with it? So the CDT is another uh, Mexico to Canada or Canada to Mexico trail. Um, I did it southbound, so I started up in Glacier in Montana. Um, and it basically goes down through Montana. It hits the Montana-Idaho border, kind of goes back and forth uh, down until you get to Yellowstone. You go through a, the southwest portion of uh, Yellowstone into Wyoming, um, all the way through Colorado, um, down through New Mexico, and then you end at the, the Mexican border down there. So how is it for you? How is it different than the Pacific Crest Trail? Oh, it's, uh, it's completely different. Um, it is, first off, it's a choose your own adventure trail. On the Pacific Crest Trail, um, you're on basically a dirt highway that's pretty well maintained throughout the mo- most part of it. So um, what I mean by that is you don't have to look at your GPS. You don't have to look at your maps or anything. You can basically put your head down and hike. Um, so you can just put miles down. On the Continental Divide Trail, there's not many markers. Um, it's not a completed trail. It is a choose your own adventure. So every single night I'm looking at, at a few different GPS maps to see what route that I want to take. Um, so there's a lot more thoughtfulness put into it. On top of that, whenever you get into towns, there's just, they don't really know what you're doing. Um, in fact, I've got, there were a couple of towns that I got into and they're, they're just like, what, what are you doing out here? And I'm like, oh, I'm hiking from Canada to Mexico. And I've had multiple people just laugh at me and turn around and walk away thinking I'm just <laughs> lying. <laughs> so yeah, it's just not as well known. It's a lot more remote. There's, um, it, it's a much harder trail. There's a lot more bushwhacking. Um, in fact, through New Mexico, you're basically, or, or for, through the bottom of New Mexico, you're going through nothing but cacti, thorn bushes, jumping barbed wire fences. Um, it, so it's it, it's an adventure. I'll say that. <laughs> and so it sounds like it's also like you probably don't have the trail community either with trail angels, but also like other people on the trail. Like like are you seeing you know other through hikers every day, or is it kind of like a rare occurrence where you meet another through hiker? So I'm going to say this: in 2020, like I said before, it was the lowest amount of people since the early 90s. So I was used to a very small um, trail community. So whenever I got into the Continental Divide Trail, it was also very small community. There weren't many people out there. And then getting on the PCT this year, I realized like the actual difference. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was, it was a very lonely trail. In fact, um, I, I had to get off trail for, I think, nine days to, to come back here to help my partner at the time move. Um, and that put me behind by quite a lot. And I only, I didn't see anybody for, I think a week and a half or two weeks until I finally started to run into a group of people. And, um, from then on out, I was around maybe 10 to 20 other people, but that was pretty much it. That was, that was the end of the, the, the bubble, if you will. Um, and there weren't super, a ton of people in front of us either. And so on the CDT, like, is it mostly kind of, you're in the back country for, you know, five or six days, you know, and then, you know, you're coming out in a town and on busy trails or like, cause like I know the GDT here in Canada, mm-hmm. you know, for large parts of it, it goes on some pretty active trails in, you know, in Banff National Park and Waterton and Jasper where, you know, parts of it, you're going to see people day hiking and then parts of it, like you don't see anybody. Like there's one stretch where you get a handful of people hiking that backpacking route a year, but what's, what's the CDT like? So I would say, you know, through all the national parks, obviously there's a lot of people. Um, all of Colorado, there was quite a bit of people. 
Um, and in Glacier, there was a lot of people, but other than that, it was, it was very lonely. There's not too many day hikers out. You will go through sections where there's some beautiful lakes and stuff that there's um, vehicle access that, that you'll see car campers and stuff out there, but it is definitely a lot less than, than on the, the PCT. On the PCT, really through about once you get through Midway, California, all the way north to Canada, uh, there's, there's quite a bit of people you're every, every day, pretty much going through some type of, um, uh, place where people are day hiking. So, so you mentioned kind of being, it being solitary. I remember, you know, long time ago doing the GR 10, which goes through the, uh, the French Pyrenees and like it was 2001. And so there's no, no tourists or 2002, there were no tourists, no one was flying. And I had like every day just walking by myself, coming to villages. There's no nobody there. Most of the businesses were closed because they had no bookings. And I found that really, really tough. Like being alone in kind of a foreign place and not knowing what to expect. The Pyrenees are still a lot easier than kind of, you know, the wilds of the Rockies. How did you find that kind of just going for a week without having anyone around? I love the people. <laughs> <laughs> it is very lonely. Uh, it's, it's not it, it's, it's a, a great place for self-discovery. Um, and really being able to, to sit with your own thoughts and, and dig deep. But it, it is quite lonely, and I was really happy once I, I caught back up to people. And like, like this last trail, I didn't hike with – I hiked with a few people for uh, pretty short periods of time, um, but it was mostly alone. I still had people around me, though. So I was still – like there were still hikers on the trail that I could talk to every day, so that was much different. Um, than the aloneness on the CDT where I just didn't see another southbound hiker um, for, yeah, like a week and a half, two weeks, something like that. Wow. And then the CDT, you, you know, your second time, was your gear dialed in? Like doing the PCT, how long did it take to get, you know, your gear dialed in? And then like, did it change at all doing the divide trail? My gear has been an evolution. Um, it has been a complete evolution from the beginning. It It changes constantly. And really... The more, the longer you do this, the more gear you get. So the more specific you can be about the environment that you're in. So like on the PCT in, in 2020, uh, I carried, I basically carried a winter setup from the beginning because it was March and it was cold. Um, and so it was pretty heavy all the way until I got to North Kennedy Meadows. North Kennedy Meadows, I dropped quite a bit of weight. Um, and then on the CDT, I, I was, I was actually pretty, pretty heavy on the, on the CDT as well, but things changed, but not really hugely, I guess, um, layers really, I think layers are the, are the, the main, main change of everything. And then this last trail, I'd changed, uh, my pack as well. It's funny. Um, uh, one of our team members, uh, she's done, you know, quite a bit of, you know, really she did the PCT, the Arizona trail GDT and, um, her pack is, you know, I, I, I've learned so much from her. Um, but you know, I, when I go backpacking with my kids, I'm kind of carrying everything for the fan. Like my wife has, you know, some clothes, but I can have this, you know, 80 liter pack. Cause I've got like a four person, four person tent and all the, all everything. And then I look at other people and you know, there's a, you know, a couple and they each have like hundred liter packs for a, you know, a trip. And I just think, Oh boy, I just, I just wish, you know, people like you could go and just give a public service announcement at trailheads of like, you don't need three pairs of trousers. You don't need, you know, all this, you don't need a full cooking setup. And uh, because I just, I, how many people must hate backpacking because they're going out with a 40 pound pack with 90 liters for a two night backpack. That's exactly right. Well, they say, they say that you pack your, your fears. And so 
it's not about what you pack. It's about what you don't pack. It's about what you know that you can do without until the next stop. You don't need much. Uh, whenever it comes down to it, if, if your headlight breaks, you've got a phone. Anything that you, that happens in your pack that doesn't work throughout this, this section or this little, you know, overnight that you're going to do, you can make it back. I promise. I think at the end of the trail this year, I was, I'm probably around eight pounds or something base weight. A lot of it is being able to know how much water that you need exactly. Um, cause people overpack water. They'll do four liters for a 10 mile section, but it's also being confident in how many miles you can do, um, with, with that water. So it's a learning process. It's a, it's a, it's a learning process for every single individual person. And then same thing with food. How much, how much food do you need? It's not how much food that I need. Cause I can tell you how much I need. Um, for a section, but it's going to be completely different than, than what your needs are. It's funny, at when we go backpacking, my greatest feeling is when like, you know, your breakfast and your morning snack on the last day, and that's all the food you have, or you have like, you know, I, I usually, you know, have one little like something like a bar of chocolate or like a dehydrated That means meal. you nailed it. But I'm always so stacked. Yeah, so stoked. It's like, I actually got the food, right? And with little kids, it's really hard to predict that. Um, my wife doesn't understand why I get so, so happy when I'm curing it all. So no, that uh, is the uh, goal. The goal is to go into town, not hungry, but with no food. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's funny how these little small choices, you, you, you know, you, you figure things out. So you, you finished the continental divide trail. Actually, is it longer or is it shorter than the PCT? So again, like I was saying earlier, it's kind of a choose your own adventure trail. Uh, official mileage is 3,100 miles. Um, I think that the way I did it was probably about 2,700. Oh, really? So, so you just took the more direct route at certain points? Yeah. So there were, there were a couple of sections, um, that, well, we had fires, you know, there's just different things that happens on these, on these hikes that you just can't avoid. Uh, and so you have to take different routes that might cut stuff off. Um, and unfortunately, whenever I got down to Colorado, the San Juans were already um, getting snowed in. So I had to take what was called the Creed Cutoff um, and then just go straight south rather than heading west into the San Juans. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny. Yeah. I know the, you know, up here, everyone's trying to fight the snow to get to Canada on the PCT. And you're going south and you're kind of fighting the snow because you got to get out of Colorado into the, you know, the desert areas. Exactly. So you do the PCT, you do the CDT, and then this last year you do the PCT again. What influenced that decision? I had a hard time on the Continental Divide Trail. Uh, whenever, whenever I was finishing up, once I got to New Mexico, I was pretty much ready to be done. Uh, so it was kind of a, a race for me to, to get back. And I think that that was external factors back here at home. And then I think that also uh, a lot of it had to do with that. I had a 150-mile road walk in the very beginning of, of the trail, which kind of, kind of, kind of put me down. Um, I'll say that. And so I, I had a hard time on the continental divide trail, but I knew that I loved the PCT. Um, and I had, I think eight or nine friends out there that were, were going to, to hike it, including one of my best friends and, and my roommate or ex roommate. Um, he left about a month before me. So, uh, that was, yeah, pretty much, pretty much it. I wanted to go out there and see them, and I just wanted to go have a good, really good time on a through hike. Um, since that, since I, I didn't have such a good time on the Continental Divide Trail, how was it different the second time? So my my biggest goal 
for this, this trail was that I wanted to do it for myself. I wanted to be by myself as much as possible. I wanted to make all my own decisions because on the previous two trails, for the most part, I hiked with other people. So there was always some type of compromise, which isn't bad. It's a, there's nothing wrong with that. But I wanted to see what would happen if I was there alone and what, the, what decisions I would make. Um, and it's funny because if you go look at my Instagram post, my starting Instagram post, I put on there, Hey, I'm just going to get on the trail. I'm going to get off and on. I'm going to go hang out with friends. I'm not going to really worry about being purist at all about it. I'm just going to, I'm going to have a really good time, go slow and, and enjoy it. Um, but what ended up happening was I got out there and I started just, um, hiking and I, it started out like 27, 28 mile days and it was no big deal. And I think a lot of that is because the, the Continental Divide Trail is just a much harder um, trail when it comes to elevation change. Um, the PCT is graded for horses the entire way through. So whenever you have a big mountain to go up and over or a ridge to go up and over, typically you've got a lot of switchbacks to do it in. So it's, it's, it's a much easier trail. So with that came speed. And then I started realizing, okay, well, I'm trying to get up and and do as much as I can every day. And also I think subconsciously, I did some, the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life in 2020, which was the PCT. Then I did the next hardest thing I'd ever done in my life, which was the CDT. And so I felt like going back on the PCT was almost a step back in hard things. Um, so I, I guess I kind of decided just to, to, to push and see what my body was, was capable of and uh, do, do the hardest thing I'd ever done. So what did your days become then on the PCT. Uh, how do you mean days? Like, Was it just, you know, dawn till dusk walking? Were you taking zero days? I took uh, seven zero days throughout the entire trail. Um, but I hiked, typically I would wake up about 5.30. My alarm went off every day at 4.30. When my alarm got off, went off, I would wake up, I would pop a caffeine pill. I'd go back to sleep until the caffeine pill hit. As soon as the caffeine pill hit, I'd wake up, um, and typically I was out of camp by 6 or 6.30, and I hiked until 9 or 9.30. And that's, I maybe took an hour total of breaks throughout the day. Typically, I would hike for 8 to 12 miles, sit down for 5 minutes, let my feet rest a little bit, and then keep going um, for another 2 to 3 hours. And then I would, every 2 to 3 hours from there, I'd probably sit down for, for 5 to 10 minutes. And then, you know, what, what, what was your kind of average distances you were covering under this schedule? So with the zeros, um, it, or without the zeros, I'm sorry, it was about 30 miles a day. Um, but it really, it really depended. Like I said, the first beginning, I started about 27, 28 miles a day. Um, I sped up before I got to the uh, High Sierra up to about 37, 38 a day. Um, once I got to the High Sierra, I did 30s through there, which were incredibly hard. It, it destroyed me and almost put me off trail because I was I was so so put back from that. But then after I got out of the Sierra, because I'd pushed myself so hard, um, I felt really good and I was able to do 35 to 40 pretty much throughout the rest of the trail. Um, I did slow down whenever I caught up to my roommate. Uh, I went to the High Sierra Music Festival, stayed there for three days, um, and then just slow rolled it for. Um, almost two weeks with him until his birthday. Uh, and then after his birthday, we were in Bernie, California, uh, and I decided it was it was time to go. So I took back off and I did basically a, a two-week run. I covered about 580 miles in two weeks. Wow. Wow. And and then the difference must be is, you know, most people you end up kind of, you know, hiking about the same pace as a group of people and you have these relationships, but you're just blowing by. So it's like every 
every day. It's just different people because you're kind of leapfrogging five or 10 miles, you know, kind of the rest of the rest of the people in the PCT. Right. No, it was, it's completely different because typically you're in a bubble and you'll see the same people, even if you're not hiking with them. But um, I mean, in the beginning I was, I was passing 40 to 50 people a day um, all the way until midway through, then it was much less, much less, much less all the way until I got to Washington. Once I got to Washington to Stevens pass, which is 180 miles from the border. Once I left there, I saw two northbound hikers until the day I finished. And then luckily the night before I finished, I ran into three other northbound hikers who were going to be finishing the next day. And I just ran up to them like, can I please finish with you guys? I don't want to do this by myself. Um, and they were, they were gracious enough to let me hang out with them for the next day to go down to the border and, uh, and tag that thing. <laughs> cool. Cool. I've read through some of the stuff you've written online and you can advocate going with the flow, not planning too much. Uh, I know there's lots of people that struggle with that. And so, you know, for people that want to plan, you know, a through hike, why should they not plan too much? Well, it, you know, it's not no planning. There is some planning that goes involved, but don't plan your days. You have no idea what's going to happen when you get out there. You have no idea how you're going to feel, who you're going to meet, what zeros you're going to want to take. Every single person that I've ever seen plan their through hike, the plan goes out the window within the first week. What you do need to plan for is you need to plan for your bills. You need to figure out how much is this going to cost me? How much time do I have? How much money am I willing to spend um, every single month out on trail? Um, those are the, the background types of things that you need to plan. Other than that, whenever you get out there, hike every day in complete freedom. Hike every day like you can do whatever you want. If you decide that you want to go into town, and you want to hang out there for half a day, go do it. If you go into town and you want to hang out for two days, do it. Enjoy yourself. That's what you're there for. You're there to have your experience. You mentioned a little bit about the cost of, of through hiking. Obviously, it depends on where you're staying in town, you know, if you're eating out or buying groceries, you know, all these things. But do you have a feel for kind of like what an average budget would be on like a monthly basis to, to through hike? They used to say a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a month, um, which is really what I did it this this year on. But that's it's pretty much impossible um, with inflation and how how high prices have gone. That's that I would say you probably need at least two grand on trail a month um, to really just do what you want. Um, I'll say I, in 2020, I think I spent a little, probably a little over 10 grand. Um, I really wanted for nothing. You can definitely bring that down, but food is expensive right now. Um, every single town that you're going through is very expensive. These are very remote towns that have to drive their stuff in from hours away. I, I would say to, to be comfortable, at least $2,000 a month. And it's funny you mentioned the food costs. My co-host Karen is uh, cycling down the, the Pacific coast and she's in these small towns in Oregon and her thing is like mm -hmm. a tin of soup is $5. And exactly. you know, it's the same tin of soup when a town here in Canada is a dollar fifty. but you know, it's just these remote towns that have, you know, a, a, yeah, a, little, a little bit of tourist trade and all the uncertainty with, you know, what's happening. And uh, yeah, it can, it can really add up quickly. It's, you know, don't expect the pricing to be what you're finding in, you know, a big city supermarket. Now on that same note, we were talking about, um, we were talking earlier um, about planning. If you have food allergies or anything that you need to have sp food specific, plan your boxes, send your boxes to yourself um, because there you don't have many options there. If you don't have anything food related, then you don't have to worry about a thing at all. Mm -hmm. Good, good advice. 
So, so one thing I'm really interested in is you've done all these different incredible adventures and, you know, you refl- reflect back is, do you feel you've learned something kind of as a human or, uh, just, just by doing these great journeys? Cause so many people never get the chance to do one of them, let alone three of them. You know, I don't think it's been a specific thing through each one, but I think that I've learned a lot of patience. It's that, that that's probably been the, the biggest thing is, is just, uh, being able to, take things as they come. And I, I just don't have quite as, as much anxiety through life. Um, it, it, it also is you do something hard um, and it makes other things easier. So other things in life, whether it's through hiking or anything you want to um, pursue, it just, it makes it easier. And you just did this really, really hard thing. So man, what else am I capable of? It's funny you mentioned these kind of you know, mental aspects of, you know, who would think these incredible physical challenges have so many mental benefits, but uh, again and again, people say such similar things as, you know, spending time outdoors, it gives me, you know, ability to kind of like be calmer or be more focused or be happier or have more joy, less anxiety. Um, It's interesting how, and again, it's kind of this, this thing you wouldn't think this really tough physical thing results in all these, you know, mental health benefits where you just told me you ran a hundred mile race uh, on the weekend. So you have this incredible health, you know, physical health benefits, but you know, also all these incredible mental health benefits. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, I would say that that's the biggest thing. Now I will say that it takes proper planning for getting off the trail to, to continue that Um, because people, there's a lot of people who will finish the trail and, and just fall into a deep depression and it's, it's not, not great for them. So I think it's, incredibly important to, to have goals set before you get off trail um, and to, to be able to continue those mental health benefits and those physical benefits. That's fantastic advice. I, one other thing I was interested, I wanted to, to ask you about on your site, you mentioned you, rad, you want to radically change your life in 2016. So you moved out West from Louisiana. And I think there's lots of people who are stuck in a place that doesn't fit for them you know, or a job or a lifestyle. I think to myself in university, I had you know, lots of great friends, but kind of their goal was drinking beer. I wanted to get out and go backpacking and camping, but like none, none of my, you know, social group did. And it took a while for me to actually make that change and find a group, you know, a social group that did. But when you made the move in 2016, like, did you know coming West, you want to have more outdoors or did you move West and then all of a sudden you're like, holy, this is actually way more authentic for me. Basically what happened is I lived, you know, the normal societal life. Uh, what, what does society tell you to do? It tells you to go to school, get a job, um, work that job, buy a house, um, which I didn't do all of that, but I was part of it for quite a long time. And then once I moved, once I came out here to visit, really, it was just three days of, um, I think I went canyoneering, I did a little climbing and I went hiking. I, I had some friends out here. Um, and at that point, I was like, you know, what, what am I doing back back in Louisiana, I'm doing nothing that's actually bringing joy to me like this. So at that, that moment I decided, okay, I'll be back out here in six months. Um, and so I did, I, I went home, I saved up and I moved back out here. Um, or I moved out here. It was, yeah, it was just a complete transformation in my life. I, I didn't know how happy one could actually be. Um, I, you know, I had a lot a lot more money then than I have now, and I would never trade any money in the world for what I what I have right now. Um, it, it really is like being outside and releasing that dopamine that your brain needs, um, and and just 
giving yourself what you need uh, is, is, is incredible. It, it's really important. And what I need may not be what you need. And so, you know, the outdoors is fantastic, but I think the important thing to take away is to just try things, try different things until you do find what works for you. Uh, that's, that's such great advice. Once you find that, you know, authentic life, life gets so much easier because you realize sometimes you're, you know, as you can say, you're, you're, you're butting your head against, you know, a life that's great for lots of people, but not, you know, we're all different as humans and uh, there's no one size fits all. Uh, I can't, I can't end without finding out what's next on the through hike. You've done three and three. Are you going to go four and four? No, um, I think this next year, um, and you know, just a little caveat, I say this every year, <laughs> I think next year I'm going to take a little break. I do plan on doing probably a fast mission on like the Arizona trail or the PNT, um, or something like that. But, uh, I think now I need to, need to focus on, on other things than hiking. Um, so I'm, I'm actually looking or I'm, I'm, I'm starting a, uh, uh, through hiking guide company. So um, I'm going to bring people out for three to five days uh, at a time. I'm going to give them little shakedown hikes. And I'm also going to offer consultations because right now, if you go look at Wikipedia, there's about a 14% completion rate. Um, so I want to, I want to help people uh, be more successful in their through hikes. That's such a great business. As I mentioned, like there's so many people that just talking to people about how to pack, what to pack, what you need. Exactly. Carrying a light pack is just so much better than a heavy pack. And I'm carrying a heavy pack now with my kid stuff, which is great because it slows me down. Right. But it's also like, man, this really sucks compared to like, <laughs> it definitely when I go hurts. Out, yeah, when I go with friends and family, it's like, it's like a day pack. You almost don't even notice it. But yeah, when you're carrying stuff for five people. <laughs> uh, it's not nearly as nice. So I think, I think that's great. Thanks for coming on and sharing your, your story, Josh. I loved hearing about this and uh, kind of your insights on life and how, you know, these great journeys have influenced you. Absolutely. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you for having me. And if people want to connect with you, maybe see some of your photos, how can they find you? Um, so you can find me over on Instagram at I'm your boy blue. Um, so there's underscores between each word. Um, again, that's at I'm your boy blue. Okay. I'll put that in the show notes. And uh, with that, everybody, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear about more epic adventures on the 10 Adventures podcast. Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10 adventures. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. If you liked it, why not give us a review? Better yet, subscribe and get inspired again and again. Also, if you want to find your own adventures, why not check out 10adventures.com where you can use our free resources to plan your own trip or book a tour in over 60 countries and make your own epic memories on your next adventure.